0: to continue our series entitled Positive ID and if you weren't here last week I'm going to try to catch you up I've got the impossible task of preaching in this much time with this much information and so here we go um, but the series um, I'll kind of start with just a, a quick illustration that I gave last week and, I'm, and remember you're all in church so you have to be honest okay uh, otherwise, you know, uh, Zeus will strike you with lightning, okay? Uh, that's why people don't come to church, because you always ask me, uh, you should come to church. Oh, I could never go to church, because I'll be struck by lightning. <laughs> what? I, I have never seen that. So anyway, I've been going a long time. Not a lot of lightning bolts coming in here. Um, I get little tingly. No, but anyway. But, um, but, but here's the illustration, okay? How many of you have ever been pulled over by a cop? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are lying right now? Some of you didn't raise your hand, okay? All the angels, come down front and uh, let's take a look at you. Uh, But if you've been pulled over by a cop, you know the first question they ask when you get pulled over is, can I see some ID? Can I see some ID? And so what they're trying to do is quickly, they're trying to see if the guy's face that I'm looking at is the same face that I see on the ID. Is there a congruency between those two things? And then, of course, they run a background check on you and, you know, see if you have a positive ID. The goal of the series is to try to make sure we have a positive ID in Christ. The term in Christ is used like 250 times in the New Testament, but many people don't know what it means to be in Christ. To be in Christ is to have a positive identity in God. Your relationship is not in what you do, it's in whose you belong to. It's, it's about a relational thing that helps all the rights and wrongs thing. So you will never have rights and wrongs until you have right standing with God. When we have that right standing, that positive ID, things begin to more begin to go more positively for us. But if we lose or or never found our ID, I've lost my ID before. I've lost my wallet. I don't lose my phone, but I've lost my wallet. When I lose my wallet, I feel lost. I'm confused. I'm disoriented, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted, I have trouble making decisions, I'm not effective. And so in so many words, I heard my son say it like this Friday night, if you cannot fulfill your destiny if you don't know your identity. see, you won't be able to... Fulfill the purpose and plan of God for your life if you don't have a clear picture or understanding of your identity. And the picture of that identity, you know, we talked about that last week and it, it, the security and what it looks like. And I gave an illustration of my daughter and, and what it looks like to be secure. You'll have to listen to that on your own. But what happens and what we talked about last week is some of the things that we learned is that we live in a broke, busted world. You know, we, we live in, in a, in a, on a planet that's not perfect. And and you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. Stacy's perfect, my wife. But other than that, (laughs) other than that, other than her, but no, we're not perfect. And we're trying sometimes to acquire or to uh, uh, grasp perfection. We're trying to put heaven on earth. And if we continue to try to or believe or expect that heaven's going to be on earth, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be discouraged. In fact. It's the very contrast of earth and heaven that God put in us to make us long for heaven. One day we'll be in heaven. There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more problems, no, 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 no more mother-in-laws. <laughs> okay? There'll be mother in loves you know? I mean, it'll be different. Everything gets converted, you know? It changes there. But, but, but here on earth, you know, I always tell my wife, I said, you know, my, uh, my, my wife, I married a sinner and she married a bigger one. You know, it's just two imperfect people coming together means we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some problems. So we learned that. But that problem, God had a rescue plan for that. And so he sends his son, Jesus, to the earth to basically help us work through some of the problems we have and change the situation I have and work it for good. Now, an illustration I gave last week, which kind of would shake up the religious folk or the church people uh, if they were growing up. But I I gave an illustration of poker. Anybody ever play poker? Uh, Raise your hand. Let's see if they'll do it. Holy cow, there's a lot of sinners in this church. Wow. That's awesome. I feel good. So, five card stud. Basically, five card stud, you've been dealt cards, five cards, and whatever you've been dealt, you can't turn it back in if you don't like those cards. You can't change them with somebody else's cards. You can't look at somebody else's cards. Well, I look. But you can't. You're not supposed to do that. It's a rule. You can't mix and match. You have to play the cards that you've been dealt. And that's how it is in life. It's a metaphor for life. There are certain things that have been dealt to you in this life that we talked about last week. And you have to play the hand. But Jesus came in that broken, marred hand that you've been given. We all are, we're all imperfect. He came to change the face of those cards, to change the name on those cards, to turn that hand that you've been dealt into a winning hand. So when you come into a relationship with him, everything begins to change. Now, here's the other side of that. Third thing we learned last week is all of us are going to stand before God one day, and we're going to have to give an account of the hand we've been dealt. We can't forget that. And I'm going to be a good pastor as long as I have breath and tell you, we're all going to have to give an account before God. What are you doing with the hand that you've been dealt? So today we're going to talk a little bit deeper, a little bit further about this hand you've been dealt. You were given five cards. The five cards we talked about last week were chemistry. That's kind of your biological side, your chromosomes and your genes and, and your kind of your, your, your chemi- the chemical makeup, your, your body. All those things make part. of. And some of it, you know, we, we didn't maybe get what we wanted, you know. So all, mo- none of us got a perfect body. None of, us got a, none of us got, you know, perfect physiology. None, 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 some of us have some issues physically, okay? And then we got, uh, the second card is connections. These are our relationships. Some of us had some broken, busted relationships. Some of us come from divorce. Some of us uh, didn't have a father figure in our life. Those connections uh, are our problems. The hand we were dealt. The third one is our, our circumstances, Circumstances are the things that happen to us and around us, the problems, the, the tests, the trials of life. Some of us have had some rough circumstantial situations. Things have happened to you. That's the hand you have been dealt. The fourth one is your consciousness. These are your thoughts. Some of you have wrestled for a long, long time with some stinking thinking. And fourth, we all have this, this card called choice. No matter what hand you've been dealt, you've been given this incredible powerful, listen, spiritual muscle, this determiner that can, that can, that can change the course and direct direction and trajectory of your life, and it's known as choice. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to go a little bit deeper into those, in particular, four different areas, and then we'll talk about the final one and unpack these choices that you can make. Is everybody with me? So we want to have a positive, let's just say, winning hand. If you're taking notes, and I know a lot of you are because note takers are. Yes. Amen. Here's the first card. Write, write this down, okay? I can choose to get healthy. This is talking about the chemistry card. I can choose to get healthy. Now, I think a lot of, my my father will be in the next service. My father was a a great example of somebody who was dealt a bad deck of cards when it comes to his chemistry or to his health. My daddy had a heart attack when he was 29 years old. His dad had a heart attack when he was 39. And his dad had a heart attack when he was 49. On my 19th birthday before God, I felt an oppressive force come over me where I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Because it was a generational curse. So the Bible says that the sins of the father will visit sometimes to the third and fourth generation. But to those that love their God, it will go for a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. So that's the positive side. But the negative side, we have to still deal with those propensities, those, those natural inclinations, sometimes generational curses. So my daddy had a heart attack at 29, and he could have continued to go down this negative path. And if he did, he would have been dead a long time ago. Because he didn't use this, his free will agency to change the course and trajectory of his life. But he decided at 29, I can't tie my shoelaces. I'm, 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 I'm overweight. I'm extremely unhealthy. My, my blood pressure is way too high. And I'm going to start making changes. And he made changes day after day after day after day. And at 50 years old, he ran the Boston Marathon. Yes, sir. And he ran it many years after that. Even at 59 years old, he was running the Boston Marathon. He changed his life. Because of that example, I became, in a sense, his proselyte. And so, so no matter what cards you've been dealt, no matter what disabilities you might have, you can be healthier than you are. Yeah. And some of us just accept the cards we've been dealt. Oh, It's too late. It's too bad for me. Well, thank God my daddy didn't do that. And because he didn't do that, it gave me some of the impetus and the strength and the and the of, of will to be able to make changes for my own life. So I don't care what the issue is or what you had, you can be healthier than you are. And there are things that you can do to increase your energy, to to lower your stress and and to have more vitality in your life. You need to be a person who's who's taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let's listen, I say this with all kinds, of, some of you are not one guy say if I'm a temple then I'm the mega church <laughs> you know this is a sensitive subject don't be poking around in my temple don't be don't be talking to me about my body because you know what? we worship sometimes we honor our bodies or we dishonor our bodies and we worship we worship other things more than we worship God but your temple is the is the house for which God resides we need to be people who take care of it. We need to make the choice to get healthier. I heard one guy, uh, you know, he was talking to somebody, and he said, you know, what do you do to stay healthy? And he, and he had this, like, old proverb. He said, well, you know, my diet, you know, what I basically do is in the morning, I eat like a king. It's kind of, you know, eggs and bacon, sausage, I eat like a king. And then at lunch, I eat like a prince. You know, a little salad, you know, a little chicken, a little steak on the side, you know, low-fat low dressing. And then at night, I eat like a pauper. And just like raisins and nuts and lots of water, more water. And so this guy's like, really? And he's kind of looking at him because it's like kind of funny. He didn't seem like he represented or symbolized that, embodied that. And so he says, so, so how's that working out for you? He says, well, every night before I go to bed, I hear this voice inside my head, and it sings, long live the king. <laughs> that is funny. I don't care what you guys say. That is a screaming funny. So instead of bemoaning the fact that you don't have an Olympic body, you can't do cartwheels in the aisles at church, you, you know, you're not GQ ready. You're not Vanity Fair ready. You're not like on the, on the, the cover of some magazine. You can get healthier than, than, than you are. And some of us, we need to kind of take a step back and become more deliberate about these things. Psalm 119.73 says, You made my body, Lord. Now give me the sense to heed your laws. See, there are certain things we can learn. We live in a society, well, I'm in a lot of pain, I can't do it. I remember talking, I coach pastors sometimes in, in areas of health, and I said, listen, you can learn a lot about pain management. There's more information out there in the last 10 years about pain management than any other time in human history. And you know where the most, you can write this down, you know where the pain is? The pain is in your brain. The pain is in your brain. It's how you're thinking. But also, the pain, listen, is also processed in your brain. See your brain and pain is where it's all. All that pain is processed there. So if you can change the level of your brain, you can actually reduce the level of your pain. And sometimes we have to be practical about this. Now I've learned, you know, for myself, you know, I, 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 you know, there are certain things that I can't control. But if I can reduce the, if I can reduce the controllables, excuse me, if I can handle the controllables, I'll reduce the uncontrollables. I mean, you guys get what I'm saying. So there's certain things I can do over here that make this diminish over here. I travel quite a bit. And one of the negatives, and I've decided to turn it for good, is, you know, you're on course and you're eating right and you're, you're working out and you're doing these different things. And then you travel and it's like, ah, bust it. Forget it. You know what I mean? Just give in. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to Cracker Barrel three times a day, you know, and... And I'm going to go to that buffet one more time. And, I'm, yes, I will have dessert at 10, 10 at night. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. You know, and, 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 and it, so this is where it can all fall apart. But now I've, I've learned to use my brain to deal with the controllables so I can reduce the uncontrollables. So when I get ready to go now, and I'm just being honest with you, I, I, I will I have my assistant find a hotel that's near a gym and that's near a whole paycheck. I mean Whole Foods. That's what I do, because I know, because I'm going to have to have some healthy food in my room. I want to make sure that the gym's open at 5 a.m. so I can go before the conference starts. And are you serious? You do that? You're a psychopath. Listen, I worked out this morning before you all got up. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I want, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I want to be on my A game. I want my body not to keep my brain and my spirit from doing what I'm supposed to do to help you all. Does that make sense? And so I've reduced the temptation because I used my brain in preparation. And so some of us were not making those choices. If you improve the controllables, it reduces <clears throat> the uncontrollables in your life. And I watched, I watched my father do that. And I watched other people do that. A lot of the stuff that you're not seeing in the spiritual is because of what's going on in the physical. Some people won't be able to pursue the plan of God because they come home at the end of the day and they don't want to go to a small group because they're too tired because they don't have any energy left. And so I'm just telling you, you know, uh, Shakespeare said, it's impossible to be a philosopher with a toothache. You have to deal with the pain. And to reduce the pain, you're going to have to change some of the thinking in your life. Pastor Jesus was telling me for years he couldn't sleep. He was having trouble sleeping. And we finally figured out it's because he couldn't breathe. He had a breathing problem. He had to go get a surgery, and now he can breathe. And guess what? Now he can sleep, and now he can get up and he can work out. Some of us just need to use our brain. Turn to your neighbor and say, use your brain. Okay, all right. Number two, write this down. I can choose to deepen my relationships. I can choose to deepen my relationships. Now, this is something we talk about a lot at Connect because, you know, after all, our name's Connect. We want to be good at relationships. And this is about intentionality in your relationships. Great relationships will never happen, never, never, never happen by accident. The most powerful, meaningful um, effective relationships I have in my life required time and effort, intentionality on my part. My pastor, who I was just with this last week uh, for a few days, uh, 21 years that he's, you know, he's been my pastor and my friend, and, and he lives out of state. It, it takes time and effort to make that connection. It's not easy. But the return far outweighs the investment of time and effort. I'm just telling you. In fact, you benefit from it. I'm a better pastor because I'm with one of the greatest pastors on planet Earth. Pastor Chris Hodges is my pastor. And because of that, you benefit. So one relationship that I have with one person affects hundreds, even thousands of people. Isn't that amazing? So I'm just trying to get you to see the parallel. But sometimes we don't want to step into new relationships, and and and, and they're reinforced by time and effort, but it starts with initiative. And we don't want to take, we don't want to risk being disapproved of or being rejected or not working out. And so we risk. We we won't take that risk. And I use that word risk not arbitrarily because there is a risk in all relationships. The flip side is there's no return without risk ever, ever. We can reduce some of those risks by how we prepare and how we vet and how we screen, how we select and how we fleece and how we try different things. And look for reciprocity, but ultimately the fear of rejection will keep you from connection. The fear of rejection will keep you or prevent connection. We're just afraid. And people sometimes are this way with pivotal relationships, like, like marriage and things like I don't know if I'll ever be married. I don't know. I don't nobody will want to marry me again after I've been divorced. No one will want to marry me at my age. These are the kind of things that I hear. Really? That's just fear talking. That's rejection talking. You know, I just, uh, years ago, I counseled a lady in this church, and she had been married, listen, 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 11 times. Hello. Now she's in her 80s, and I just read on the front page of the newspaper, Metro's Daily News, she's been married for the 12th time. All her husbands are, you know, dying early. She's going on happy as could be, you know what I mean? She's like, well, going to get another one. Unbelievable, but she didn't buy into that lie. Feelings are not facts, everybody, but unless you believe those feelings, they'll become facts or they'll become realities, and so I just want to encourage you. I'm not good at social interaction. It's really awkward. What initial relationship isn't awkward? Come on. Think about the first time you connected with somebody or or met somebody. They're They're always a little awkward. Write this down in your notes. Awkward won't kill me. Is that profound or what? <laughs> awkward won't kill me, okay? Feelings aren't facts and awkward won't kill me. That's the human race in a nutshell. Yes, there's some, there's some weird people. There's some weird people in this church. There's some weird people on your row. <laughs> it's just true. It's a stat. It's real. <laughs> 1 John 4.18, this is the nutshell of 1 John 4.18. Everybody's looking around like, are you weird? (laughs) I'm not weird. I know what's going on right now. It's a lot of vetting. 1 John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love. So see, there's, there's this like serum solution to some of the relational situations that you're experiencing right now. And it's not fear, it's love. What takes fear away is a focus on love... Uh, it's, it's, it, love takes the focus off of you and it puts it on other people. Changes everything. Changes the outcomes. The reason we're suffering and sometimes in social settings and trying to make these right connections healthy. I understand you've had some bad connections, but don't charge bad connections to new connections. Don't charge a negative account to somebody's new account. Don't do that. Well, I went to the party and, and I walked into the room and I was like, I wonder if anybody notices me. You know? I think that's what people do. They, like, they walk into a room, and there's a certain perspective. They're not walking in love. They're walking in fear, and they're, do I have spinach in my teeth? You know? I spend a lot of time in the bathroom looking in the mirror. Girls, like, sit down. and like, did I cross my legs right? You know? And thinking about, is this dress nice? And guys are totally different. We're like, is there toilet paper wagging behind me? know, uh, I don't know. You know? We're just like, we're totally more, much more primitive. You know what I mean? But basically, we're like, we're, we're in these social settings like, how do I look? How do I look? Listen, nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody's looking because everybody else is going to the party going, how do I look? <laughs> Everybody's doing the same thing. That's <laughs> crazy. I had this one girl come up to me one time at church. This is years ago, and she's like, she's a little socially different. And she goes, Pastor, can I meet with you? I said, okay, all right, we'll have a meeting. I kind of like, oh, boy. I, just, I can just feel it. I can just feel it. You know, and, and so she sits down with me, and she's just like, "My first question is, "Are you mad at me?" <laughs> it's like 20. I'm like forty when this was going on. And I'm like, oh. and this is what I said, it's terrible. I said, "Honey, it's worse than you think. I'm not thinking about you at all." <laughs> I get all. See, self <laughs> See. Self-centeredness walks in the room and thinks, how do I look? What do you think about me? Enough about me. What do you think about me? Enough about me. What do you think about me? I mean, that's what, but love walks into the room and thinks, how can I help someone? How can I encourage someone? Oh my gosh, they're over there by themselves. I need to. I need to connect them. I need to get those two people together. I need to, you know, I need to encourage them. I need to pray for someone. Love has a completely. See, love's not. Love's like humility. Humility and love very similar. Love's not thinking about themselves as less. They're just thinking about themselves less. And so the the social antidote to fear, you know, and is not. Uh, you know, logic and, and, and some kind of plausible platitude that's going to help me get. No, it's getting your eyes off of you. It's changing your focus. Stop thinking about you. Start thinking about how you can help and you can love and you can make someone else's life better. But fear, fear is not logical. Fear is illogical. Fear is completely different. Perfect love casts out all fear. So what does that mean? Do the thing you fear the most. So you don't you don't you don't wait for logic. See that's not what's going to get rid of fear. Doesn't go away with logic. It goes away with action. It goes away with action. Everybody, can I have any men out there? Amen. So fear is always worse than reality at the end, and fear hath torment. The Bible says. Uh, but 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 it, but parties only last for a, a, a little while anyway. And so we're so preoccupied sometimes with those those short-term things, and we're not really seeing sometimes the big picture. 1 Corinthians 14.1, it's not in your notes, but 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Let love be your highest goal. You want to have a goal? Let love be your highest goal. What is life about? Learning to love. Well, I'm in a small group, and there's some wacky people in there. Welcome to the human race. You get an opportunity to grow and love, you know, in that. Well, P.D., I hurt so bad, and I'm still hurting. And people in the past, they broke my heart once, twice, three times a lady. <laughs> sorry. You got your heart broke. So what is your point? What I want to say is your point is, and so you're not going to love anymore? I'm sorry, but you don't have the option as a Christ follower not to love anymore. Just like you don't have a you don't have the option as a Christ follower not to forgive. Did you know that? According to scripture, you have to forgive. Wait a minute. No, the you have an obligation as a Christ follower to forgive, not trust, but you do have one to forgive. Because you forgive because you've been forgiven much. And so if you're ever going to want forgiveness again in the future, if you want to be forgiven for the things you've done in the past, you're going to have to forgive. But the same is true about love. Christ loved us, we love others. You can't say you received his love if you don't turn around and love your brother. You're a liar. Whew, this is hard, Pastor. I don't like this message very much. Okay? So, we... well, I started to love people, and they rejected me. I went to love people, and they, they blocked me. They gave me the Heisman. Well, what do you do, guys that play football, what do you do if you've been blocked? What does a coach say when you've been blocked? You redirect. You're blocked. Oh, spin move. Love over here. Oh, spin move. (laughs) You just redirect your love. You don't just stop loving. I got blocked. I'm out. I'm out. Bench. Bench. Coach. Bench. Take me out. Take me out. Water boy. No, we don't do that. There are billions of people who need to be loved. There are people on your row, weird or not, who need to be loved. Can I have an amen out there? This is bonus for your notes. Ephesians 3:17 says, "I pray that Christ Ephesians 3:17 I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and your love will be strong. Your life, excuse me, will be strong in love and built on love." Strong in love and built on love. We got to pray that every day. See, lo- life is about loving people. Where do you learn that? At church. That's why that's why I hope you keep coming. If you're if you're new to church, we're going to talk to you about not just like principles and platitudes. We're going to talk to you about practical things that will translate into everyday li- living. So what you learn on Sunday, hopefully, you'll be able to apply Monday through Saturday. We, need, we learn like techniques for relationship, social skills. We're going to learn uh, the character that we need, how, and the integrity that we need, to ha- and the respect that we need in relationships. Where do you learn that? You learn that in church. You know more specifically where you learn it? In small groups, in connect groups. If you're not in a, this is my my heart, and I mean this. I hope there'll be a day where I can say, I prophesy this. I hope there'll be a day where I can say there's more people in small groups than come to church. That's my goal, because the connect groups are the lab of life. It's where you're going to work it out what we are talking about. I pray that. You all need to get into a connect group. If you don't see one, start one. Start one. We'll help you, okay? We'll make it because you, ultimately you want to be and learn to be a great lover of people. Amen? Amen? We have this tendency, though, to just try to do it by ourselves. To, here's something profound. Stop it. Stop doing life by yourself. It doesn't work. We, you know, it's, it, it, I know it, it, it's, it, yeah, I got hurt before, and it's counterintuitive to go back to that same thing again. People hurt People heal, though. And this vulnerability in sometimes circle of trust produces a grace on the situation that does not exist in shallow relationships or solo experience. It won't happen all by yourself. It's not going to happen there. My pastor says this. He says sometimes when we're going through a tough time, he says, often we counsel ourselves in our worst moments. See, if you're counseling yourself in your worst moment, you always lose there's an arm wrestling match in your mind, and you will lose that battle every time because you can't counsel yourself. It's in the counsel of many, the Bible says, that there is safety. Can I have an amen? amen. And so if you're in white water and you put your your job really is to put your hand up. The question is: is there anybody in the boat besides you that can see you and pull you out of that white water when you've fallen? But some of us are not connected enough to be even recognized that we have fallen and we are in white water. That's why you want to get connected to other people. Amen. Number three, write this down if you're taking notes. The third one is, I choose, I can choose to trust God. This this gives you a positive ID. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27 and following, uh, the Bible says this. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. Isn't that cool? So when it comes to your ID, your identification, who knows you better than God? No one. Creator always knows creation better. He knows our pregnant condition It keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail, you might want to circle, underline that word, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. So no matter what's happening in your life, it might not be good, but the Bible is saying he'll work it for good. He'll turn it around. This is the transformational part. This is the reason Jesus came, to take your deck of cards that you've been dealt and turn it into a winning hand. This is the verse for that. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape your lives from those who loved him along the same lines as the life of his son. So he's trying to make you more like Jesus, not more like Derek, not more like somebody else, more like him. The son stands first in the line of humanity. He restored. We see the original, this is so cool, not a copy, but the original design, original and intended shape of our lives there in him. See, so God is trying to take the cards you've been dealt and turn them for good, work it for good, change the shape and structure, the face, the number of them to reflect the Son of God. Is that amazing? What a verse. God wants to use every circumstance and make it come to the shape of Jesus Christ. Psalm 34, 1, it's not in your notes, but the Bible says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. See, no matter what your circumstance is, when we have our identity in Christ, we have a confidence that comes from God, that Hollywood does not have, that the Capitol doesn't have, that Wall Street doesn't have. See, our confidence doesn't come in the external. It comes from the internal. Amen? And so you can't get that confidence from sex and from power and from pleasure and from status. and Nope, it's built on relationship only comes from God. And so what we do as Christians is we don't deny certain feelings that we have about our cards. We don't deny certain facts about our chemistry or our circumstances. We simply exalt faith, the promises of God, the words of God. We elevate that above those situations until those feelings, in fact, come into alignment with what God says about us. That that deserved a bigger amen from a larger population. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. So I'll praise the Lord no matter what. I'll praise you in the storm. And here's kind of a key line here that I think you guys should remember, is that even though these cards I got, I'm not a product of my past. I, I, I might have these things that happened there, but I'm not a prisoner of it. I may be, these things may have influenced me, I may be a product of it, but I'm not a prisoner of it. They may have influenced me, but I'm not a permanently defective product. I am currently, because of Jesus Christ, under warranty. I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ, and he's cha- In fact, when we just celebrated communion there, you, you partook of the, the body and blood of Christ. And as you participate with what he did for you, something dynamic happens in that process where you can become not only fellowship with him, but become more like him in the process. And so, though, though you have these, looks like these defective characteristics, God's saying to you, you're under warranty, and I know the manufacturer and you can take those things that are broke and busted back to God and he'll work them together for good in Jesus' name. Amen? So they might influence me, but they don't determine me and they don't make me a prisoner. Number four, write this down. I'm fired up here this morning. Number four, trust. Excuse me, think, think. I can choose what I think about. See, I can't control what people say about me. I can't control what, what uh, you know, others think about me. But I can control what I think about them. You know, I was just with some, some leaders, some, some high-capacity leaders just this last week. And I and, 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 and hope, I don't have time to qualify this, but, you know, some guys in there with some big churches. My pastor has a 60,000-member church. There was another guy with a 25,000-member church in there. And they're big targets because they have big churches. And so when they, make, when they make statements, like when I make statements, it might affect a community. When they make statements, it affects like a nation. Right, So when you get on social media, you say certain things, bam, you're a big, big target. And so they, one of these guys was a big target and a lot of st- some stuff, he was just trying to help people. And he was just being really real honest, but some people couldn't handle it. And so he was being scrutinized big time. But what was worse than that, because that's just a reality, you can't control that, was he wasn't controlling what he was thinking about. And, and there's, a, there's a term sometimes in, in, in psychology, like this term called ruminating. He was ruminating on these negative things. And so ruminating is basically like, you know, a, a cow. He was chewing on these negative thoughts and then he was stewing on these thoughts and then he 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 accepted those, he kind of swallowed it so to speak, and then he would regurgitate it and then repeat. See, a lot of us are doing that. Rumination, what we ruminate on, causes a lot of stress in our bodies physically. And and, and it can really hurt us in a big way. A lot of stress is a result of what we're ruminating about. Many of us, we're not choosing while we're chewing. See, you get a a meal and you don't like something, what do you do? Wait a second, that's a bone, I'm not going to eat that. You know, I, this is terrible, but, like, I, I had this eye that can always see something that's not appropriate in my salads. My wife's like, how do you do that? It's like every time. You know what I mean? And it's not because I'm trying to get something free because I rarely, I rarely even say anything about it. But, 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 but there's, there's, you sometimes are taking in certain things that people say, and you're chewing on it, and you would be like, is that true? Receive it and treat it. If it's not true, it's a lie, it's hurtful, it's harmful, it's not beneficial, then you need to spit those bones out. But a lot of us are chewing on it, we're swallowing it, and then we regurgitate it and do it again. That's very, very harmful to us, and we have choices. What you chew on becomes your self life. What you chew on becomes your self life. Your self life is created by your memories, what you bring back, and some of those things you can't change. Your brain, it's got different parts to it. Uh, One of the parts to your brain is called the amygdala, and it's where a lot of your pain receptors are, and, you know, shame and guilt and anger, and a lot of negative memories are there. You might not be able to change those memories, but you can rewrite them. Listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to help a lot of people out right now. Your memories are created by your mental habits. And so what happens a lot of you is you're you're receiving. It's like a scale. Your mind's like a scale. And so you're receiving... Truth, like pebbles on a beach, lies and truth. And some of you are receiving through your ears and through your eyes lies, <laughs> and the scale changes. Lies, very little truth. Very, I've been in church in about three years. Lies, 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 lies. Before you know it, what happens on that scale in your mental health, you're way up, you're way up here, and you're way down here. You're depressed. So how do you compensate? How do you overcome this depression? You're just going to have to put little pebbles of truth. Another pebble. You're not going to just get that on Sundays. You're not just going to get that. Listen to these awesome messages amen just kidding you're not going to just get it you know once in a while going to no you're gonna have to get up daily you're gonna have to study the word daily you know you're you're gonna have to hide the word of God in your heart on a daily basis success isn't in a day it's in the daily and as you continue to put those little pebbles of truth before you know it oh you're right here the scales are level you go to the person say, how do you feel I don't feel anything I feel kind of blah blah is a word look it up in the look it up in the dictionary well listen you're not you're not depressed anymore You might not have feeling yet, but praise God, you're not not depressed. Keep on applying that truth. You keep on going true, 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 true. You guys get the point. Before you know it, you are blessed, and you're no longer depressed. You went from depressed to blessed and through the, 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 the level of blah because of little pebbles of truth that you kept just putting into your minds. The adult brain can change. They didn't, we didn't even believe that scientifically 20th century before, but 2002 Nobel Prize winner discovered that you can change these little neural pathways in your brain. You, you have what's called neuroplasticity. Your, your brain can change. Some of you are, I just don't feel good. <laughs> what is that? You know what happens is? You have these little thoughts, and that thought creates a little electrical pathway on your brain. But if you have that same thought again, it's a little bit deeper. And you do it again and again. Before you know it, it's, it, it started as just a little creek, a little, a little line. Then it became a path, and then it became a road, and then it became a rut. And for some of you, it's a Grand canyon. Of depression and fear and rejection because you've allowed lie, 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 lie to continue to be in. You can stop those by putting truth, 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 truth. And every time you're doing that, you are filling those ruts and you are filling that Grand Canyon of doubt and depression and fear. And eventually you can change your thinking as you begin to change your truth. Amen. Oh, I could go all day on that. But I can't, but I can't. So you can look up Philippians 4.8, but it says to fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Dear brothers and sisters, and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. This doesn't sound like Netflix to me. This doesn't sound like Fifty Shades of Grey. It might be popular. Listen, but it's poison. It's got quiet in this church right there. Listen, I'm going to be strong with you. That's like porn. You 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 poison your mind, and then you expect that God's going to intervene in your life. See, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're transformed by fixing your thoughts on things that are not poison, but that are positive things that are excellent and praise and worthy of praise. So, you gotta surround yourself with the right things. I think you should do that visually. I think you should do that orally. Be- don't put things in front of you that don't inspire you. Don't put things in front of you or in you that don't encourage you. Uh, if you're an interior decorator, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but don't put stupid stuff on your walls. Put stuff that's meaningful. My wife's been a great example with this, but she's got word art that inspires and encourages and, and family pictures and family memories. And if you look, if you look on our tables, tabletops and, 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 you know, the little, whatever you call them, tables beside the chairs, they're going to be filled with Bibles and books and things that inspire you and build you up because it's so important that you have create and have good memories that tell you who you are and whose you are. But a lot of us aren't doing that, and we wonder why we're struggling. We well, I was just dealt this card, you know, just kind of negative, you know. Woe is me, okay? No, you can change that. Final card. Everybody say final card. card. Are you guys getting something out of this today? Okay, well, the final card is pretty obvious. It's Jesus. I can choose Jesus as my Savior. This is your ultimate choice. This isn't just about getting out of hell and into heaven, though you need to choose that if you've not done that. That's so important. You need that. We'll make room for that today. But I'm talking about choosing Jesus as your Savior every day. Listen to me now. Listen to me on this final point. See, you, I've talked about the free will agency that you've been given, this power of choice. But your will, your will sits on your, your, your emotions and your feelings and your passions. But there's a seat there, in a sense, on the throne of your life. You have to decide who's on the throne of your life. Is it you or is it Jesus Christ? Is Jesus influencing your decisions or are you influencing your decisions? If it's you influencing your decisions, I can promise you, you will not have the willpower to change your chemistry, your circumstances, your connections, or your consciousness. You need Jesus' power to be able to change your direction, to change your will, to have the power to be able to do that. Is everybody with me? I need Jesus to be able to follow through on my choices. And so these are things that I pray in all of these areas. Jesus, save me from my chemistry. Save me from my physical, g- generational curses. Change, change, Lord, this save me from these chemical predispositions. Change me from a bad, this, this negativity that's in my thought life. Change my relationships, God. You know, where I struggle and I, I'm fearful and I'm wondering if I'll ever be able to, I don't want to be hurt again. Change me. Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to rest me for my circumstances. I don't know how to get out of them, but I'm going to praise you no matter what. I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to praise you no matter what happens. Psalm 34 1. I'm going to do that. Jesus save my mind. Put a guard around my thoughts. Why why does he say a helmet of salvation? Because we need something around our minds. Because everything else is going to try to get in there and be next. Nope, I'm going to keep that stuff out so that I have the mind of Christ. Jesus, help me to make the right choices. Empower me to have self-control and to be led by the Spirit of God. These are things we pray. Is everybody getting what I'm saying there? And so if sometimes we think or we say we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on you to use the wild card, to put the wild card in the first position of the cards that you have been dealt. Because the Bible says in Matthew 9, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Amen? And so here's what happens. When I choose to get healthier... When I choose to start taking risks in relationship and healthy relationships, when I choose uh, to trust God no matter what's going on in my life, when I choose to change the way I think, when I do that, then basically I receive a winning hand. So here's what happens. Jesus comes in and he turns all my cards into a royal flush. I didn't get an amen, but I thought that was going to get a response for all you poker players. That's a winning hand. No matter what your hand is, no matter what hand you've been dealt, the card, the face card, whatever it is, when Jesus comes in your life and you choose him every day, not just on that day, he turns your hand into a winning hand. Can we get an amen in this house? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sympathy clap. Praise the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Would you guys close your eyes and uh, bow your heads? And be very, 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 very still. This is the most important part of the service right now. It's a place where you respond to the message. And it's really tempting to be restless. And I'm, I just beg you, for those that, are, that have to do something, go ahead. But everybody else, please just be very, very still. I'd like you to close your eyes so you can look at your own heart. And I'm, I'm going to lead you in a prayer real quick. And, and this is so that we can apply what we just, what we just talked about. And so if you feel so inclined, would you join me in this prayer out loud? Would you just say this? Say God, say, God, there are some things in my hand that you have dealt me and others have dealt me that if I'm honest, I don't always like it. But I thank you for the wild card. I was made in your image and I can make some choices. So today, by your power and your strength, I choose to get healthier. I choose to do the things that will give me more strength, more energy, more vitality to honor you with my body. You made my body. Now give me the sense to heed your laws. Today I choose to build healthy relationships. Sometimes I get nervous to connect and initiate new relationships, but I choose today to take the plunge help me to get the focus off me I want love to be my highest goal and I want to become a greater lover of people I choose today to trust you God regardless of the circumstances that I'm facing I will praise you no matter what I'm going to trust you with every detail of my life and I know that you'll work all things together for good because you love me. I want to be more like Jesus today and I want to see the intended shape of my life in Christ. I'm thankful today that I can choose what I think about. No more garbage in my mind. No more junk, dirty images, worldliness. Help me to fill my life with positive memories that you have given me Help me to put pebbles of truth on the scale of my mind. Change my thinking. Give me the mind of Christ. And most of all today, I choose you, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. And I need you, not only then, but now. Save me from my sins, but also save me from myself. Thank you, Jesus. Rewire my mind, my body. My heart, my relationships, my faith, so that every part of me, the best of my life, would be the rest of my life. And it's in your mighty matchless name, Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now Just, just, just be still for another minute. I just want to give one more final choice. If you could just be still. If you close your eyes one more time. I'm sorry for this, but I'm not. The, the, the most important choice, and I said this already, it could be for somebody here today that really didn't get it. But you can go to heaven and things not be all worked out. Your marriage, your bank account, your education, your future. But you can't go to heaven without Jesus. And so I'm coming for you right now. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. If you're here today and you've never made that connection, you have an opportunity to take what you might believe in your heart personally, but you've never gone public with it. See, if you're not ashamed of Jesus, he'll not be ashamed of you in heaven before his Father. And so this is your chance to say yes to God publicly so that he can say yes to you publicly in heaven. So with other people's eyes closed but mine open between me, you, and God, if you want to say yes to Jesus and invite him into your life, and you've never done that before. You could have done it last week the week before. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you for the first time. And you're listening online, and that's you. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray for me. I want, I, I'm all in. I want Jesus in my life, and I don't want to miss it. Today's the day of salvation for me. I want to make that connection. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over there. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else that says that's me? See the two at the back. Thank you so much. God bless you for your courage. Thank you. Thank you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Church, just pray this prayer with me. And those people that prayed, that raised their hand, pray this with me. Say this. Say, Jesus. I surrender my life to you today. It's the most meaningful decision that I could ever make this side of heaven so that I could be sure I'm with you forever. It's not about going to church, saying prayers. It's about establishing a personal connection with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation for me. Come on, church. Let's give those people a great big hand. God bless you guys. Come on up, Sammy. I love you all very much.